Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He's done it again! Marcus Rashford on his Premier League debut! Hey everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of today's Corner Kicks Premier League podcast with me, Sebastian Noren, Polly Quistel, and Elliot Niblock. We're about a week and a half away from the start of the Premier League season and uh, yeah, not all news can be super exciting, but we'll do our best here. As we a week up. and a half away. That's exciting enough. Like I, yes, I yeah. need something to do during the day, during the midweeks. I need something. Well, what you can do now is you can stare at Mark Clattenburg's tattoos. <laughs> so he put in. I would like to do that while he's refing a game and and letting me know that he's refing this game. Oh yeah. I mean now he'll he'll let's get to the tattoos. So he put in one tattoo for the Champions League final that he refed and one for the. Euro 2016 final. So now he can just be like, hey, look at me. I refed this final. I refed that final. It's, uh, it, the thing is that in the Euros, he didn't even like have a particularly good game in the final. <laughs> like, uh, oh, on the cu- first of all, this is this is a power move, big time power move here to like to to show off how decorated of a ref. You are. Yeah. Big time power move. It's also such a Clattenburg move. It's not even, it's like, it's it's almost like when I heard this news, I was like, well, yeah, why wouldn't he? Like, I'm surprised he didn't do this sooner. Um, I thought he, ha- I actually thought he had a good game in the, in the uh, Euro final. Well, yeah. He didn't, he didn't book Dimitri Payet for killing Ronaldo. But other than that, I th- I well, mean, there was the egregious handball that he called on Kishelny that was... Oh, right, right. Well, yeah. I, <laughs> I, thought, mean, I mean, I grade Clattenburg on a different scale. And, and my scale was I didn't think he had one of those Clattenburg moments that only Clattenburg has where, like, he lets you know who's refereeing this game mm-hmm. and does ridiculous things. I, didn't, I thought he actually didn't do that in the final, which was nice that... You know, because the, the moment would have been there. The whole world's watching. Let them know who they're watching. And he actually shied away from that. And I I, I do remember he might have had some moment in the Champions League final. I don't remember what it was. But it wasn't – I thought it was a more subdued performance from him. Yep. So now he got those tattoos to go with his haircut. That is boring. Yeah, no. Well, the haircut he's had since he was – 16 years old mm-hmm. he's just like a caricature of himself at this he point <laughs> and and i sent it to my friends this morning and uh, my friend said you know he might like if we're not careful right before our eyes he might do a full heel turn and we're gonna like have to stop hating him <laughs> like he might just he might just be self-aware and he might play into it mm-hmm. we'll see well, we'll, we'll see, see how, we'll see how he does with the new rules here he might be one of those guys who's going to throw up a red card to someone in the tunnel before the game. God, that's going to be uh, hilarious. I don't think so. I feel like he's level-headed enough that he wouldn't do it. He likes to make his name in other ways. It'll be like a young hotshot ref who throws up a red card in the tunnel. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean that, that as opposed does... to the aging hotshot that is Mark mm-hmm. Clattenburg. But you know what? Like, I would, I would, I would pay money to Mark Clattenburg if, like, United line up in the tunnel one day and Marwan Fellaini's in the starting eleven and he just gives him a red card. 
I don't. <laughs> just I, for the sake of him not being on the pitch. That's fine me. Because you know what? If the red card comes in the tunnel, you're allowed to replace the player. You could still play 11. So no loss of manpower. You're at, it's addition <laughs> via subtraction. And he could do the same thing to Ashley Young. Hmm. It's going to be the like the the Man U supporters who are the same that banded together with the anti-Glazer scarves like start a bribery fund to get Fellaini sent off in the tunnel every time he's picked into the starting 11. It's ridiculous <laughs> that he's still on the team. <laughs> I've been listening to Jose Mourinho talk about how much of a crap player he is for two years now, and now he takes over the team and he's still here. Like, all, all Mourinho does is talk about how he's just going to cut the dead weight, and if you're not in my plans, I'm going to get rid of you, and so far no one's left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. Do you think Klattenberg is going to push for short-sleeved referee's shirt now? Aren't they already short sleeves? Mm, no, most of them are long sleeves. Well, don't you have the option? If most of them are long sleeves, then wouldn't you have the option? Because I definitely, like, the refs, when they wear those, like, light blue kits, those are def- they def- I've definitely seen short sleeve refs. No, I would assume that, like, any other shirt, um, like any other shirt, you would have uh, the option. The same way that everybody on the team has the option of wearing long sleeves or short sleeves. Maybe he wants sleeveless. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go, indeed. Yeah, they do have sle- short sleeves and yeah, long sleeves. Yeah, dude, I just pulled up a picture yeah. of Clattenburg himself in a short sleeve shirt. Yeah, sleeveless. There we go. Well, didn't he get the tattoos on his forearms? Are they on the forearm or the underarm? He has. He. I think that he has one on his forearm, and then one that's kind of like on the inside of his bicep. other bicep. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, Clattenburg having some fun. So good on him, I guess. Good on him. I mean, I'm not I'm not against tattoos in general. Like, I have tattoos, but I it just it strikes me as so. Uh, this is I a ridiculous tattoo. I mean, come on. <laughs> he's a guy. He's a he Well, I'm gonna laugh for it. It's not that. It's not like oh, he got a tattoo. He's a badass. It's like this is such a Clattenburg move. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've seen uh, times. I know we had one famous incident in Sweden where a player. Uh, tattooed in a championship tattoo before they even won the championship. Oh my god! Yeah, that happens. I mean, that happens every year in America. Yeah. At this point, people think they're being funny, and then surprise, you have to live with that for the rest of your life. Well, they ended up winning, so he was fine with that. Okay, let's move on. We had a couple of games here yesterday. We had Wayne Rooney's testimonial. Let's start with that one. So. Um, yeah, Manchester United took on his former club Everton. It was a scoreless draw. It was, you know, it was First a friendly. Off, he should have played the last half hour for Everton. He should have yeah, played the have, last minute did, for Everton. You've been saying that for a while, and I totally agree. That would have been should really have been cool. one of those deals. And they should have brought back like Ronaldo and Ferdinand and Vidic for this game. Yeah, but they couldn't do that when they missed out on the game against City in China. Well, they should have played this game at the end of the season. Yeah. That, that I think that makes sense. Yeah. No, seeing as it was and losing out on that game in China, they they could not make it into a, you know, spectacle match. That's for sure. And Ronaldo's injured anyway, so. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You're gonna jump around the crutches. I mean, they should have just done it. Let's. I mean, if we're let's at least. We'll at least talk about the match, which yes. looked like uh, it looked like the Van Gaal era was still going on. In what way? Well, it was nil-nil at Old Trafford, so <laughs> that's <laughs> you know something I've only seen way too many times recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I did hear a manager screaming at his players from the touchline. That was very foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at one point, United at a corner that. Uh, Wayne Rooney booted into the box and it was headed away at the front post. Carrick got it back though and played it back out to Rooney who crossed it again. Now, so that's 
two crosses into the box off one corner. A year ago, we would have seen Juan Mata or Daly Blinn because center backs have to take your corners. Um, so Daly Blinn would have played it short to Rooney, who maybe would have crossed it, but maybe probably would have been back to like the top of the box. And before you know it, David De Gea would have the ball. Yes. So, I, I mean, that's an improvement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so looking at the squad, you know, you got a pretty... Do you think that was sort of the starting 11 for them? Well, I think Mkhitaryan will be in the starting 11. Yeah. I don't like the four... I, I still don't like the four-two-three-one with Carrick and Ander Herrera, though. Mm-hmm. I think Ander Herrera should be in the starting lineup, but, you know, like, you don't need two holding midfielders in this situation. Like, uh, if, if Paul Pogba comes in, like, are you really want to play him that deep in the field? Yes and no. I mean, I, I see that it could be a little bit unbalanced if Pogba comes in and he he's supposed to play in an offensive role as well. I mean, I would be fine with Paul Pogba playing as a number eight. But, like, that requires a change of formation because the four two three one doesn't accommodate a number eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, like, you don't have, to, when, you, when you play with Michael Carrick, you don't have to worry about both your, um, both your forward, both your central midfielders getting too far forward and leaving your defense exposed the way that the U.S. used to have to worry about that with Michael Bradley and Jermaine Jones or the way that England used to have to worry about that when they stupidly played Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard next to each other. You don't have to worry about that when you have Michael Carrick because he's not going anywhere. He's going to sit back. It's, you know, he's like Eric Dyer. He's going to sit back and he's going to protect the back four. So you can allow your other uh, defender or central midfielder to get forward. The four, two, three, one doesn't really accommodate that when you have Rooney playing in this number 10 role where he's going to drop back. And when you have this Swedish striker who all I've heard is such crazy things about and how he scores ridiculous goals and, Oh, he's so good in front of the net and he's playing deeper in the field than Rooney. Maybe he felt like he needed to uh, prove himself a little. Prove himself for what? He's not here to spray passes around the field. Uh, the first game at the new stadium and all that. Hey, he's a great passer of the ball. If you, I don't care. He's not here to seen... pass the ball. This is like when, when Robin Van Persie used to drop deep into the field to get the ball. Like, you're not here to pass the ball. Like, we have we have Carrick for that. We have uh, Rooney for that. We have Jesse Lingard for that. We have Mickey Tarian for that. You're here to get your ass in the box and to score goals. And score goals, he will. I don't know, because he spent the entire game deep and away from the goal. He had their best chance in the first half. He did. He did. But he had, like, one chance. He had one or two chances. And against a team, against a team like Everton that, was, that literally parked the bus and sat back, he should have had more. That's not on him, though. That's on the other players not giving him the ball in the right position. He ha- he was no he was never in the right position to get the ball because he was dropping deep. Don't drop deep. We have Rooney for that. Rooney's been doing that for twelve years. He's got that role on lockdown. You go and you play as the striker. That's where you want to play. If you don't want to play there, then let Rashford play there because Rashford is actually a player that can run in behind those balls that Rooney loves to play. Here's the thing: Rooney loves to play those balls through the defense. Um, so does Juan Mata. So does. Paul Pogba, but Rooney and Ibrahimovic aren't really the kind of guys that will run onto them. Martial is, but he's on the left, and Rashford is, and he does a really good job of stretching the defenses out, and we saw him do that against Galatasaray when he won that penalty, which was brilliant. Mm-hmm. So, if if you're not going to run onto those balls, that's fine. We'll play a different style to accommodate you, Zlatan, because you are that good. You are that good, so we should accommodate you, and we should play. To, we, we're not going to play you those balls, but you have to be playing as a striker. You can't be the one dropping deep because who are you going to spray those passes to? We have other guys that are good enough to drop deep and get the ball, and and their job is to get it to you. Well, I mean, if you got Martial and Lingard cutting him from the wings, I don't see a big problem really. Uh, Lingard did play a little bit too much in the central of the pitch, and he Mourinho got in his ear about that that's for sure well we all heard him yeah i mean the entire game you heard jesse 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 but you know what like good good on Mourinho because the lingard used to do that too under van gaal and he used to get exposed but van gaal sat there on the 
on the bench not telling his his player what to do because it, I but guess he wrote, he, felt, he wrote it in the notebook, yeah. so right, it was but, fine. But, like, <laughs> but that that only helps you next game. That doesn't help you now when like that adjustment might actually help you win the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I I agree with that. And I mean that that's the big difference between an old school manager like Van Hall and I would still count Mourinho as sort of the new crop. I know he's not. But is that is that old? I've never heard of another yeah. manager who just sits on the side and doesn't say anything. Yeah, I don't know how old school versus like radically innovative it is to see a player doing something you think to be tactically wrong on the pitch and then telling them about it during the game. Yeah. No, I mean, I'd rather have a manager jumping up and down the sideline screaming at people like yeah. Simeone. Or a club. Or like a Sir Alex Ferguson who sits there at times and at times he gets up there and yells and, you know, celebrates your goals. Well, then you know some, his, then you like know. that weird hand wave thing, which is yep. like a kid in a candy, which made him look like a four-year-old every time and it was hilarious. Uh, or just getting in the fourth official's ear. I mean. Yep. No, it's true. And it's going to be different under Mourinho, that's for sure. Uh, sticking with Everton, though. Um they're keeping it firm. They want fifty million pounds for stones. Uh, they've told Manchester City, basically take it or leave it. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, and I really them. hope Manchester City takes it because they, they he think is they're overplaying. He is not the guy to fix their defensive problems. Now I'll give you this: that it was like preseason and stuff, and maybe he's not in match form. But John Stones was really bad yesterday. Really, really bad. Which made it even more appalling that United couldn't take advantage of that and and at least nick one goal. I mean, they barely even got any chances. But John Stones was horrifically awful. Like, if, if like Everton would be lucky if they got seven million pounds for the guy right now. No, but just, I mean, the thing is that the market is so saturated with cash. That... The market's so saturated with cash, but I mean... Look, I'm not going to pretend that I watched John Stones every game last year, but I did pay attention to him because he was being floated around there for $50 million or pounds when Chelsea wanted him last year. And every time I did watch him, he didn't look like a player that's worth half that. No. Uh, but... I mean, there's a reason. He was he was in the center of Everton's defense, and Everton's defense was god-awful last year. I mean, I I agree with you, but I also think that Everton are right to hold out for 50 million because in a market that's a not only saturated with cash but b we've seen even before you know long before the TV revenue was measured in the billions that clubs would routinely be forced to overpay for English players just because of the weird English marquee markup mm -hmm. that you know they should hold out for 50 million and they'll probably get it yeah I mean, the, the thing is, too, that, you know, there's he's still an English international that adds a couple of zeros to the price as well. And, you know, yes, he could turn out to be the next Mika Richards, but I don't think he will. I think he'll actually become a very good center back. It's just I mean, people like still, him right now because like, he could pass really well out of the back. He's a very good passer, very good with the ball at his feet. That's great and all. But his defending is terrible, and that's your primary job as a defender. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. put, put put him. Like it's one thing. It's one thing to be able to pass like Benucci can, but like you also have to yes. be able to defend like Benucci can. Hmm? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I, I would I, I would rather spend fifty million pounds on Benucci. Of course, I, I would rather do that too. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're we're in agreement that he's n a not fully developed player, and fifty million sounds like just a boat and a half load of money to pay for I a player like that. But I still think that they're not they're not asking for that much more than his market value. Maybe maybe he's not worth that much in your eyes or even in my eyes. But I just I do think that the way the market is going right now, it's just like. You know, I mean, Everton reportedly turned down 57 million pounds for Lukaku. Like, yeah. it's just... Lukaku, the, the, the Lukaku is going to cost you like insane. 70. Which, I mean, 
he's a, he's a good striker. He's a good striker. But is he going to be, you know, clear-cut one of the top two, three strikers in the Premier League? No, he's not. But $70 million? That's so much money. Ugh. Yeah, but if you look around at, like, the rest of the strikers in the Premier League, who are you getting to replace him? There's no one. No, yeah. There's a dearth of strikers in the Premier I mean... There's a, there's a dearth of world-class strikers, period, in terms of the transfer market right now. I mean, I think Not that, in terms of the transfer market. In terms of the world. In terms yeah, of the world, the, there's a yeah. dearth of world-class well, strikers. Yeah. But and part well, of that is because they only play as singular strikers now. And, you know, they play... And if you're not really good at the system that you play, these strikers end up on an island. You know, it's harder to break into a team now because there's only, you know... If you're at Bayern Munich, you're not getting in. You're not getting a game over Robert Lewandowski. Uh, so strikers just don't develop anymore. But there's there's a dearth of them all over the world. Yeah, no, I I agree with so that. I don't really I think blame that... them for for holding on to Lukaku. I but I mean, yeah, seventy million. He's not worth that much. And if somebody offers you that, take it. Yeah, I mean, I it's also it's funny because. So much of the time when Arsene Wenger talks about transfers, I roll my eyes and feel like he's just, you know, blowing out hot air in order to justify his miserly inaction in the market. But on we, that can point, we discuss it, that? Because at this point, yeah. it's it's bordering on hilarious. Yes. Well, I find it infuriating, but I understand what you mean. But but you know, to that point though, that even while I think a lot of it is empty rhetoric, when he does talk about. Paulie, as you were saying, the dearth of true quality strikers on the market. I mean, in that, in that, I do think that it's not just hot air. It's not just empty rhetoric. He's right that there just aren't that many truly world class players on the market. You know, and when Iguain costs you like what was it, ninety million euros? God, it's just it's. There's just so much money flying around, and Arsenal. Well, okay, but again, he, but Arsenal needs to still like come up to the table and be like. Like, you know what? If that's how much the buy-in costs to play, then we're going to pay the buy-in because, you know, like, that's what the market value is. Again, um, I get it. When Wenger says there's no value in the transfer market and it's hard to find players that are that are properly valued, is he, is he right? He's 100% right. But, Arsene, there's two things. One, stop pretending that Arsenal don't have the money. Like, don't call yourselves a big club and then be like, but we can't spend any money because you have the money. Every team in England has the money. You have the added addition of uh, a massive stadium. So you get massive match day revenue. You're on TV all the time. So you get money from that. And you happen to be in the Champions League. So you get a lot of money from that. So you have the money. Secondly, yeah, I mean, Arsene. The second cash ball, reserves are like 200 million pounds. Arsene Wenger. Arsene Wenger. It's not your money you get paid a set salary and maybe you get bonuses or something but i guarantee you there's no clause that says if we spend a hundred million dollars in the transfer market you get paid 50 percent less no of course like, not but i go but out I, and I spend do. the goddamn money yeah but i mean the thing is that he's the man is an economist by training and even as much as it is his inaction in the market frustrates me part of me nonetheless kind of respects the the sense of, you know, responsibility and stewardship that he has for this club's fiscal solvency. And for much of his tenure as manager, I mean, you know, paying off this huge brand new stadium, right? Like Arsenal were a big club, but they were a big club that had, you know, had some bills to pay. Mm -hmm. I get it. So I get it. For a long, but, but that era is over, right. is the thing, bills were, is that that era is over. The stadium's paid off. We have hundreds of millions of pounds in cash reserves just we're just sitting on. And a lot of that money is, yeah, it's earmarked for certain costs. But if you spend half of the cash reserves in the bank that don't even like regardless of the operating cost for the club, that's 100 million pounds. And they've spent, you know, at this point, roughly 40 million, this transfer market. I mean, what which, happened is, which is a lot for Arsenal. <laughs> what happened to his ability to to spot and find talent, and why is he so stubborn about it? Well, we did we did just sign a Nigerian youth international for all a whopping three million pounds. Um, I mean, like he brought he brought in Thierry Henry. Um, 
He brought in all those French guys. They win the title, yada, yada, yada. Then he has to rebuild the team again. He finds, you know, Robin Van Persie from God only knows where. Uh, he Rob, finds yeah, Rotterdam. He snatches he snatches Cesc Fabregas from Barcelona's uh, youth squad. You know he's done. Uh, he's hit he's hit on players recently like Hector Bellerin, but which he did the same thing getting him out of La Masia at Barcelona. Yeah, so like he still kind of has that ability, but why is he so like you know Danny Welbeck isn't that guy and Theo oh, Walcott isn't that guy, and why are you stubbornly sticking with them at this point? Like why not try to replace them? Well, I think that, I mean... Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, other... like, you swung and missed on that, all right? Like, Oh, you... no, I, t- I totally disagree with that, Paulie. I, I think Oxlade-Chamberlain still has a future at this club in the Premier League. I mean, he... He'll I... never be the player that the whole world thought he would be, and I'm not blaming Arsene Wenger on this because everybody wanted his signature. Arsene Wenger won his signature, and I think he would be exactly... He would be who he is right now, no matter what club he went to. One so of the I don't, things I don't blame is, it, but like I don't think Alex Oxlade Chamberlain is going to be the guy that lights the world on fire the way everybody thought he would. I so one of the things that Wenger said recently. I mean, he's he's been playing brilliantly in preseason, but then again, he played brilliantly in preseason last year, then had an injury. I mean, Wenger has suggested that he thinks that for Ox, it's more of a mental block, and that he that he needs to believe that he can be as good as. Wenger thinks, and as you said, the whole world thought he could be. And I still think he can be, but, I mean, I, he's just, it's, it, it is a mental thing at this point. But we'll, we'll see. I, I, I just, but Oxlade-Chamberlain notwithstanding, I also think that one of the other things that Wenger frequently says is just that, you know, clubs have better scouting now than they used to, right? You they know, do. 10 right. years you ago. You don't have that advantage anymore, but that doesn't mean that you're not good at it all of a sudden. No, I mean, I, I think that he is good at it. You know, maybe this Nigerian player will pan out, right? Like Joel Campbell, there's a player that uh, he is, I, I still, I also don't think that he's going to be the player who, as you say, lights the world on fire. But this kid playing in Costa Rica that now is, you know, a serviceable, at least substitute in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, Wenger still has a talent for that. I just think that, that also, he's kind of competing on, he, he's fighting the war on more fronts than he had to, say, 10 I years don't, ago. I don't think that everybody else has better scouting is a good excuse. And I'll tell you why. I'll give you an example. Uh, in 2002, 2003, 2004, whenever he became the GM of the Red Sox, Theo Epstein scouted differently than everybody else in baseball. And he won. And he had a nice little period of success with the Red Sox. He won again. But by the late 2000s, everybody else was now scouting the way Theo Epstein was scouting. They were all, you know, they caught up to him. But look at him. He's, he built another winning team with the Red Sox. Then he went to the Cubs, and he's built them into a juggernaut. So just because everybody else is scouting better, Theo Epstein's still really good at it, and he's still beating their asses at it. So... Just because everybody else is better at scouting doesn't mean that all of a sudden Arsene Wenger should lose his ability to find those players that he used to be so successful at finding. Mm-hmm. I mean, I st- but like, you know, we'll see, right? Because, I mean, who knows? Rob Holding could be the next John Stones. I don't know. I mean, I think he looks promising, but we won't really know that for a while. I'm just, right? I find it laughable that a team that finished with 71 points and only finished... Um, only finished in second place because Tottenham absolutely collapsed at the end of the season and because Manchester City couldn't win back-to-back games all year and because Manchester United couldn't beat a lower half of the t- a lower half of the table team to save their lives. You know, you had 71 points and Wenger sitting there and going, well, we brought in a, a defensive midfielder or wherever Shakiri or Granite Shaka plays. Yes, he's even though. He's the only midfielder, even though you're going to get Jack Wilshire back. Like, that wasn't exactly, like, the biggest area of need, like, for where this team is. And Wenger's like, yeah, we did that. And, like, the rest of our team is just all of a sudden going to be good enough to win a title? Are you kidding me, Orson? Well, no. You're still relying on Theo Walcott and Danny Welbeck and Olivier Giroud. I look really good, but I'm going to head this ball wide a million times. Like, you're still relying on that team? You're still relying on the team that you know is going to get injured at certain points, and you're who are you turning to when that happens? Well, I mean, the thing well, is that he is going after 
I mean, the latest name is Alexander Lacassette from Lyon. The latest name, but there's always a name with Arsenal. And well, the thing is that they have submitted a a bid for him. It's just that they were lowballing the French men. And my friend who's an my friend who's an Arsenal fan summed up their transfer policy policy yesterday brilliantly when he said. Arsenal just keep going after players and the other teams just say they're not for sale and Arsene Wenger's the only person in the world that believes them when they say that. You know, like, how many people are not for sale at any price and Wenger just backs off and there are other people, you know, Paul Pog was not for sale at any price. He's probably going to get sold. Uh, Higuain wasn't exactly for sale. He got sold. You know, people are not for sale at any price and then a price comes along and suddenly they're sold. Well, yeah, but Wenger I mean, seems to back that's... off. In fact, and and what sums it up perfectly is that Wenger went after a player that has a release clause and triggered the release clause, and that player still didn't join Arsenal, which actually is probably going to be a benefit to Arsenal, but still funny that it happened. I mean, uh, but uh, Seb, what you're saying though, yes. right, is that they're we're we're lowballing. Yes, that's and, the and thing. That's... And I mean, they we were talking about you know Permeter Sucker's injury, and they want to a seasoned player to replace him while they want Scordon Mustafi from Valencia, German international. Yes. He, he would be a perfect fit, but same thing there. I think Valencia has a value on him for around 40 million and they offer 15. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, and it's the thing is, and this is, this is where I think the rubber hits the road with Arsene Wenger in terms of, his kind of, as I said already, miserly quality, right? And him saying, I value this player at this much money. I will offer three quarters of X amount of money. Okay, they reject it. I will offer X amount of money. And if they reject that too, yeah, then, then he's done. That's it, period. Yep. That, yep. Because that's how much I value him. Exactly. And that's not realistic you know what, in terms of the market only, value of a player. Not only is it not your money, but again... Your Arsenal, you're going to have to pay a premium. You know, people keep laughing at United because we keep paying these exorbitant amounts of money for mediocre to crappy players. But you know what? The problem is, is when when we're we're Manchester United, we come along and we say, hey, we're, we want to pay $30 million for that. And they say, well, we know you have a lot more money than that. So mm-hmm. we want forty-five. And suddenly the next thing you know is we have to pay $45 million for a player that if Tottenham went after him, they'd pay thirty. Well... You know what? Yes. Yeah, like you want to be a big team, you got to pay the big team premium. I see. I I agree with that on a, to a certain extent, but I think that that is increasingly less true now with the yeah you know, now that clubs. I think it's increasingly really... more true because Ed Woodward's an awful negotiator. Well, okay. I yeah, we all agree that Ed Woodward is kind of a tool, but regardless of that, like I I just think that. It's it's across the Premier League. Like every club in the Premier League is so much richer now that it's yes. I, I think that Paulie, you're right that when you're an Arsenal, a Manchester United, a Chelsea, when you're these clubs that everybody knows are and have been for a while the big fish in this pond, then yeah, maybe you have to pay even more of a premium. But the entire pond has gotten bigger and richer, but and so at- this is this is what I mean though in terms of like the market value of a player. It's like yeah the. Yeah, maybe when they say, okay, your global brand, Manchester United, you have especially more money. But, like, you know, these negotiators aren't ignorant of how much money is in the Premier League in general. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, we we just saw Aston Villa play, you know, they're in the championship now, and they just paid $12 to buy a new player today. So, I mean, it's just like you're saying there, Elliot, the pond – all the money, influx of money for the English clubs, yes, they're going to have to pay more. And, you know, you almost wish we would have sort of the same system as they do in Spain where you have to put in a release clause for a player in their contract. Well, I mean, like, also, but again, you are a big club. Act like it. And it's not just, it's it's in the thinking process. Look at the money that Liverpool throws around every year on such crappy and mediocre players that are good for bad Premier League teams because Liverpool like to think that they're a big club. So they'll spend $45 million on uh, Sadio Mane, and they'll spend $37 million on Giorgini Wijnaldum, even though those, and they'll spend 30 something million on Andy Carroll, even though those guys are, you know, 
they're just good for their teams, but they're not European good players. But Liverpool think that they're a big club, so they throw out money like that. You know, Arsenal, you are a big club. Like, you can attract players from Europe. Liverpool can attract players from Europe. They haven't been in, they've been in Europe once in, in how many years? And they they crashed out of that so quickly. Um, you know, Arsenal can attract that kind of talent. You just have to open up the checkbook. And the fact that Wenger just won't do it, it's... How do you expect to compete and how do you expect to sell your fans that you're going to compete for titles in this? And especially in a year where you literally just watched all of your rivals load up. Yeah. I mean, you you, you can't expect that is the answer. Uh, I, no, no, but I mean, bottom line is they should just shell out 80 million pounds to get Lacazette and Mustafi. Is Lacazette the answer though? He, like, come on. Lacazette is a very, very good striker that I think would have great success in the Premier League. Yeah, I loved him in the Euros where he didn't make France. Well, that's not on him. That's on the brass being like, oh, we need two Oliver Giroud's in the team. Well, then guess what? Like, you want to bring in like the other, like another French striker to go along with Olivier Giroud, so you can oh, continue to start. S- we should sign Gignac. Sign Gignac. So you can continue yeah. to start Giroud over him. Uh, I mean, it's if if Arsenal, if Arsenal are serious about challenging for the title, then we need to sign a center back and a striker, both of whom have significant top flight experience mm-hmm. and i i'm i'm going center to center back what a novel idea i wish my manager could think <laughs> of that oh god marcos rojo and phil jones are your backups god you know it. i mean this was this was one of the most infuriating things that uh, that like in watching the portland timbers transfer move that their center back nat borchers Ruptured his Achilles a week I, later. I, I want to let you know you're comparing an MLS team to a Premier no, I, let me Let me finish, Polly. Th- this is my point, okay? <laughs> that they, they so Net Borchers ruptures his Achilles, and a week later, the Timbers sign Steven Taylor on a free transfer from Newcastle. And so they get an experienced defender with years of Premier League experience under his belt to replace their injured center half. Yeah. And Arsenal lose per Mertesacker for five months, and then they just sit on their hands. And the funniest thing is that, Paulie, when you were gone, Seb, you and I talked about, you mentioned Steven Taylor as a potential replacement for per Mertesacker. And so here's a club in MLS in an inarguably inferior league, and what they lose one of their two starting 11 center backs. What do they do? They sign a replacement a week later. What do Arsenal do? They sit on their freaking hands and hum along and do nothing. Yeah, so there is so infuriating to see. But there is another side to that. Like, uh, there is a difference between signing, you know, an experienced guy who you that where you know what's up, and and you know maybe bringing along a kid, um, bringing along one of the guys out of your youth team. Like, do I want to go in to the season with? Tim Fosu-Mensa as my backup center back? No, but I would like him to be fourth or fifth in the pecking order so that if people get hurt, he can step in. Uh, I don't want him to have to to ever have to be playing in a situation where, like, I'm looking at for the next six weeks, Tim Fosu-Mensa is definitely going to be starting. I want him to start every so often. Uh, so sometimes that's a better option to have than coming around and looking at Steven Taylor and being like, well, you're – an experienced defender uh, in the Premier League, but there's a reason that no Premier League teams want you. Yeah. Yeah, well, we were talking about the fact that if if Wenger, you know, was going to be cheap and pick someone up on a uh, that was available on a free, then Steven Taylor would fit that bill. But now he's going to play with Liam Ridgewell in Portland. I just I, I I don't know how they're gonna sell this to their fans of oh we're gonna we can compete and we can try to win when you know you picked up seventy one points last year you were a, the, the club was like a joke between February and April I mean they got trounced by a United team that was missing like six first teamers 
Um, and you're going to try to tell me that that team is good enough to, to compete with a Tottenham that is now a year older, a year more experienced, a year fresher. They've brought in some reinforcements to give them some more depth to, so that Harry Kane doesn't have to play every day. They've got more midfielders that, you know, if Dembele or Ali or, or, um, Eric Dyer need a break, they can have a break. You know, if the only thing people are worried about Tottenham right now is how they, um, is how they're going to mentally recover from all being part of the England team that was so bad against Iceland. And if that's your only problem, <laughs> if that's your only problem, that's a good problem to have. Yeah. And I mean, I, your other yeah. teams, you know, Chelsea have not only have they brought in reinforcements, but they're just not going to be that bad again. United have signed a bunch of guys and they brought in a new manager. City have signed the world, even though they've signed a bunch of guys in positions that they didn't need to sign anybody, which is odd. But, yeah. you know, they're going to be good. And you're just sitting there being like, hey, the team that's, that picked up 71 points last year, uh, we're going to be good enough to make it again this year. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, yeah, I don't, even I don't, though it's Mesut Ozil in the year after an international tournament when he's never that great. I, I don't think that any Arsenal supporters realistically agree that, that Arsenal are going to be able to cha challenge for the title this season unless we sign, unless we at least sign a striker. And even then, I mean, like I said, I think that we also need a center back because but we're going to be even, we're going to be without Murtasacker for you know until the end of this calendar year. Even then, like, don't just worry about the title. You got to start worrying about the top four because, well, until like, with, until like there was two weeks left in the season, Arsenal, like you know, Arsenal and Manchester United and Manchester City were sneaking in a three in a three way race for that for like yeah. third place. Okay. It was on the well, table for all of them, and all of them could have dropped out. And all right. Well, okay. Here, Paul, are you ready for my hot take? Because here it is. We have the best midfield in the Premier League. Oh, that's and such an Arsenal take. My friend says the same thing. It's, oh. But it's true. It is absolutely true. But, we, but we're not consistent at either the front. Well, I mean, we've been more consistent at the back, but without Per Mertesacker, we're not going to be that. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be the most goddamn Arsenal thing ever because we're going to just be brilliant in midfield and then not be able to finish and find a goal after dominating games and then let in a stupid goal at the back and then drop points. And it's going to happen all year, and I'm going to hate it, but it's Again, I see it coming a mile away. Here's my point. Um, you had 71 points last year. Did you improve that much? I don't know. Uh, I think Tottenham just will naturally improve. I think Man City improved enough to, you know, get themselves to 75, 80 points. United improved enough to get themselves to 75, 80 points. Chelsea are going to improve to get themselves into that area. I don't think Leicester, and we'll talk about this next week, I don't think Leicester are going to drop off that much. No, so, I, agree. I agree with you on that. Uh, and... And peep, uh, if you talk to anybody who is a Liverpool fan who has been drinking the world's strongest Kool-Aid, <laughs> they think that Liverpool have improved enough to get themselves to 75 points, which is such a joke. They have not. But either way, that's, there's still about six teams that can get into the top four. Yeah. Like, you have to kind of worry about that because you know Wenger's leaving. That. You know, Wenger's talent has been even when he had those financial constraints on him, even when, you know, they were financing and building a city, his uh, stadium, his talent has been pulling top four finishes out of his ass, doing just enough to finish in the top four and doing just enough to finish ahead of Tottenham. If he, like he's leaving. And if you are not in the champions league next year, you might be looking at like a Liverpool drought here where it's like, how do we get back? Yeah, I, I, I am. I wish I didn't have to agree with you, but I do have to agree with you. I mean, I, I still think that this team is good enough to be seriously challenging for the top four. But I mean, do I think that well, we're... I, they will definitely be challenging for the top four? That, yeah, there's I, no question about it. It's just a matter of they're not guaranteed a place in it. No, I mean, I think that they will. They'll probably be pushing towards another like roughly seventy point total. But do I think that that's going to be good enough to be even runners-up again next year? No, I, I don't think that that's going to be the case. I think that 70 might be good enough for fourth place, 
It, in fact, it probably will. But I don't see us. I don't see us getting many more than seventy points unless we add a legitimate, you know, fifteen to twenty goal striker to this squad. And then, yeah, okay, maybe if everybody stays healthy, ha 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 ha. Yeah, that's gonna be uh, a big ask. Yeah. Are you done laughing? Because I don't think you should be done laughing yet. <laughs> Apparently, I'm not now. That was that was pretty good, Molly. <laughs> Yeah. So, do you remember when you thought six million pounds or six million yeah pounds for Danny Welbeck was going to solve that fifteen goal striker problem? I didn't. I didn't think that he was going to get us fifteen goals, but I do think that he's. You know, I, I I'm happy to have him on this squad. I'll say that. Except that he also is not going to play until next calendar year. Yeah. Okay, quick take on Manchester City and what they've done so far this summer. We talked about their interest in Stones. Uh, they brought in Leroy Sané from Schalke 04, uh, 50 million euros. Uh, they just signed Gabriel Jesus uh, Palmeiras, 19-year-old Brazilian. He's going to join them after the turn of the new year, 32 million play? euros. Palmeiras. Yeah. He's no, the... like where on the field? Oh, he's a center forward. He oh, okay. is together with Gabriel. That's a need. That's a pressing need that they had. Well, hey, Aguero's going to get injured, right? So, together with Gabriel Barbosa, he is the poster child for the new wave of young guns in Brazil. So, keep an eye yeah, out they, for Barbosa and Jesus isn't, during well, the Olympics. Sonny's kind of a winger, right? Sonny's a right winger, yes. Who actually plays wide. But they have Kelsey Iga, Iga Iganacho. Yeah. Yeah, that, he's I mean, a center forward. Right, and then... They still have Wilfred Bonney because they're idiots. And yeah, Bonnie. but he's like their uh, fifth choice. Right. Well, they, they, it's just that was like their, when they, remember when they bought Roque Santa Cruz and it was like, why the hell did you do that? Yes. Like, I get it. He scored a lot of goals for Blackburn last year, but like, if you're trying to be in the Champions League, Roque Santa Cruz is not. Yeah, but that was part God. of when they just got the influx of money, but they didn't have yeah, the stature signed, yet. Like, they signed like Rabino and yeah. Balotelli and Edin Dzeko and Rogue Santa Cruz, and it was like, which one doesn't belong? Yeah. Um, yeah. They also brought in Ilkal Gondogan from Borussia Dortmund, 27 million euros. Nolito that's their, that's from, their only good signing so far, though. Nolito from Celta Vigo had a great year in La Liga last season, 18 million euros. And then, very promising Ukrainian international Oleksandr Sinchenko, 2 million euros from Ufa. Um, that 19-year-old striker... Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's like, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. Here's, I don't understand why young people keep signing for city and message to John stones. I don't understand why English people keep signing for city because Manchester city is where English players go to die. Well, you would assume that stones would go straight into the starting lineup next to company when he's healthy. Oh, oh that's like a dream come true for everybody else. That's trying to win the title. And if you're going to tell me that Aguero is going to get injured, um, if you're going to tell me that Aguero is going to get injured, so is company. Yeah. I mean, yes. That's like a 50-50% chance that they won't play all 38 games. So you're you're playing Stones now, so you're already bailing on Nicholas Otamendi, who you yes. just signed last year. Yep. Um, you're bailing on Nicholas Otamendi, so you're either going with Otamendi and Stones for when company inevitably gets hurt or Martin DiMichaelis, which is just such a joke. Like, no, DiMichaelis oh is, God, gone. That- DiMichaelis no. is gone. DiMichaelis is gone. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's completely gone. Yes. Uh, yeah. He, he's just falling off the face of I, the earth. He's not again, playing football anywhere now. Again, there are people that you thought would go straight into the first team for city. I mean, Julian Westcott did, uh, that he sucked there. Uh, Jack Rodwell, like lasted like two games for city before he got dropped. Raheem Sterling is all he's into oblivion now. Fabian Delph, like where the hell is he? It's it's Manchester City where English players go to die. And, and I, I, I and I mean and, w- one player that should be really worried is Raheem Sterling now, with the signing yeah. of, although, with the signing of Sané. Yeah, although Pep, Pep, Pep like went out of his way to tell him that he has a place in the team now, whether or not yeah, that except, actually materializes. First of all, he sucked. Like, and it's an understatement. The word "sucked" is an understatement for how bad he was at the Euros. Yeah. But 
let's not pretend that like he was bad at the Euros and this was surprising. He was bad the entire second half of last year. He's bad whenever he's on the field at the same time as David Silva and Kevin De Bruyne, which is a problem because not only are they his teammates, but they are very good players and significantly better than him. So if he's ever on the field and it's not the League Cup, he's probably going to be on the field with those two guys. And even after a year, he still can't play with them. And now you have Sané added to the mix. Uh, and you have Nolito added to the mix. That's not good news for Raheem Sterling. No. The 19-year-old, like, you're going to get lost in the mix. Because, yes, like, Sergio Aguero will get hurt in October on when he's playing for Argentina. That will, well, No, wait, didn't he retire from Argentina? I don't think he's made up his mind yet. Ooh, so if he retires from Argentina... Um, that's huge because his injuries always happen on international duty. And Sergio Aguero is going to lead the league in goals this year. Slotin is going to lead the goal in the league. Uh, That's not yeah. true. Oh, yeah. He will. Yes. He will. That's not true. With that, we're going to say goodbye for this week, as we're always. We're going to discuss this next week. Yes. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sergio Aguero is my pick for leader in goals. Okay. Is that one of your bold, bold predictions? Yeah, it'll be one of the – but it's not <laughs> just like a – I have a good reason for it. Okay. Well, that – wraps things up for this week though so uh as usual you can follow us on twitter today's ck elliot is having a visit right now elliot is keats was better i'm at seb norin and Polly is p quistel wfan so until next time have a good one Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.